about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Today's reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Verse 1 to 17. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands... You will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed the Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command love each other. Well, good morning. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here at Newtown and Erskineville Anglican Church, and this is one of my favorite passages from John. And so when I saw that I was preaching on it, I was ecstatic, uh, only to realize that it just, it feels overbearing in this moment where our fruit doesn't look particularly great. So Jesus is calling us to bear great and glorious fruit. And I had so much fruitful work planned over the next couple of months. And so much of that is now shelved. And the fruit that I seem to be bearing right now is half ripe. It's filled with holes of distraction. It's anxiety ridden. It's charred by the fires of meltdown. And it's altogether a bit underwhelming and discouraging. And I haven't got a stack of energy left to push out some more fruit. There's no getting around it. This passage 
calls us to bear fruit. Look at how it finishes, verse 16. So that you may go and bear fruit. And not to mention the kind of references to pruning and being cut off and thrown into the fire. This passage doesn't seem so encouraging in this season. But stay with me. Because in God's good timing, in his good timing, he would have us hear from this word. It has given me much reason to be encouraged this week. And I hope to share that with you this morning as we delve richly into his word. Let me pray that we would be nourished to bear fruit this morning. Father, we thank you for your word, that in every season it bears fruit in us. Fill us now by your spirit, that we might see your good work in us and through us, and be richly encouraged by the Lord Jesus, who is at work in us. Amen. Now, there is no doubt that we're called to bear fruit. I've sort of made that case already, but... What's interesting is that while the word fruit is used eight times throughout the whole passage, it's actually not what I feel is central to the passage. Jesus, in kind of a remarkable way, refers to himself 35 times in this passage. He is large in this passage, and I want us to see that. In fact, that's kind of how I want us to do this, uh, this sermon. I want to break it down into in Jesus is where we're going to start. Uh, then, then I want us to look at the main imperative of the passage, which is not bear fruit, it's remain. And only then will it make sense to talk about bearing fruit. Really, I'm just preaching verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So that's where we're going to go. We're going to miss a couple of bits on the way. This is a dense passage and a beautiful, really rich passage. But we're going to say, in Jesus, remain and bear fruit. So, in Jesus, he says in the beginning, in verse 1, I am the true vine. This is Jesus' final I am statement of John. He said of himself, I'm the bread of life, uh, I'm the gate, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the resurrection, I'm the life, I'm the truth. And now he says, I am the vine. Each statement, of course, drawing upon the extraordinary revelation of God himself throughout the Old Testament as I am. While I am many things, I am not so stable in myself (laughs) to be able to say just I am who I am. But God, who is the source of all things from eternity, reveals himself as the great I am. And now Jesus picks this up as he is I am. And in this particular description, as he says, I am the true vine, Jesus is drawing up a metaphor, a metaphor they all would have understood Uh, being around the land, where he is the source of life, the source of strength that holds up and bears beautiful fruit. But just as he picks up the I am of the Old Testament, he's also picking up on a very rich theme through the Old Testament, where Israel was described as the vine. In Isaiah 5, we looked at Isaiah earlier this year, it feels like a long time ago, but Isaiah 5 says, says this, God saying, what more could I have done for my vineyard, referring to Israel, than what I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Goes on, I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated. 
The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel and the people of Judah and the vines he delighted in. He looked for justice, but saw bloodshed. He looked for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. Oh, Israel is so often a picture of humanity in its own strength. Rejoicing in what it thinks is beautiful, but is in actual fact fruitless and under judgment. And that's how Jesus goes on to verse 2. Those that do not bear fruit will be cut off. And that's exactly what God speaks of in Isaiah 5 as he looks at his beloved vine that he has tenderly cared for, but instead it has chosen fruitlessness. But there is hope in the Old Testament and especially as it points to the Lord Jesus who says, now I am the vine. I am the fulfillment where Israel and humanity have failed Isaiah 27 pointed to this when it says, In days to come, Jacob will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit. And now Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment of that. I am the true vine. I am the one that will bring about true and flourishing and fruitful life. And oh, how we long for that. But as Jesus talks about himself as the vine, he goes on to describe himself uh, in, in other ways as well. The, kind of the, the, the fruitfulness of this vine metaphor bubbles up into, into strip descriptions of Jesus in multiple ways. If we jump down to verse 9, we see that he is the revealer of God's love. While the fruitful theme carries through, the vine metaphor just can't bear the weight of the intimacy that, that Jesus is calling us into. He goes on to describe particularly how the expression of God's love that he reveals as the vine is like this. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And the friends he is speaking to, his disciples, will see this when their Lord Jesus, the true vine, will die for them, will lay down his life and pick it up again, that they will ultimately be grafted into the true and living vine and be fruitful. Jesus also describes himself as the source of joy. Just as kind of as we're grafted into the true vine, we, we will kind of be, it be received that, that pulsating uh, source of life and nutrients and, and will be rooted in joy. He says this in verse 11, I have told you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy might be complete. So just as fruit receives its nutrients from the vine, so Jesus pulsates with this, this joy that he had with the Father from eternity and the Spirit and now offers it to you. Jesus wants you to have it. It's not just available. He wants it to be in you. And finally, Jesus is described as a friend. You are my friends, he says. And how precious are friends right now. Well, Jesus is described as all these things, the fulfillment of Israel, the source of life, the revealer of God's love, the one who dies for us, the source of our joy and our friend. And all this is available to you to be enjoyed, to fuel our fruitfulness and blessing in and out of season. If. See the multiple ifs throughout this passage? 
And so we come to the main imperative of this passage, remain. Now I find this a thoroughly interesting word because it's kind of, it's not a very interesting word. I mean, when I think of kind of the kind of things that excite me, the kind of things that focus me on success and goals, it's not remaining. I mean, we don't watch Olympic sports because of remaining. We watch them kind of strive and and exert themselves. I mean, you wouldn't watch kind of, you know, live tonight, 7 o'clock, Mike from Australia has taken up his place in the finals of remaining. I, I mean, that would be boring. I mean, maybe my wife would watch it, but like no no one else is going to watch that. He's doing a tremendous job of waiting and remaining. I'm just imagining some chuckles to kind of cheer me on here. It's a bit lonely. But the gospel story, friends, makes remaining extraordinary. Let me demonstrate. This is me. And I think of myself as a beautiful kind of branch. And, uh, but what I don't see is just how cut off it is from the source. And, and, and this is me trying to push out fruit. I mean, this is never going to bear any fruit, is it? And Jesus says this, no branch can bear fruit by itself. But friends, where remaining gets interesting is because by faith, through grace... God the Father has grafted me in to the vine, the true vine, so that I might have life. And so my job as a Christian now is not to save myself, not to bear fruit by myself, but first and foremost to remain in Jesus. And God the Father is described as this this wonderful vine dresser who, who carefully uh, looks over the, the vine and kind of and trims off that which is not fruitful so that the fruit might have the best chance of being glorious. Friends, our job as Christians, having been saved by the grace of God, is to remain in Jesus. This is the centerpiece of spiritual formation, of Christian discipleship. And this is why I love this passage so much. And in fact, one of the things that I've been marveling over in this COVID season is just drawing down upon the promise that every spiritual blessing, every spiritual resource is available to me through the Holy Spirit. And as I kind of bump into various things on the way in this messy COVID season. I'm drawing down upon that promise saying, God, I know you don't want me to just get through this. You want me to flourish as a Christian. You want me to be glorious. Show me what you are teaching me. Help me to marvel in new ways, in new dependencies, on the spiritual blessings you pulsate through me because I am grafted into Jesus. Show me something. Reveal to me that which I have forgotten or don't yet know about Jesus. And the sweet and valuable fruit produced in difficult seasons is to the Father's glory. But how might we remain specifically? I mean, this passage says a few things about what remaining actually looks like, and it's so important I don't want us to miss it. Firstly, we are to remain 
by, by cherishing Jesus' words. I mean, he says in verse 7, my words remain in you. And even at the very beginning, verse 3, you have already been clean because of the word I have put in you. Now, that kind of word for clean is actually quite similar to pruning. Jesus has prepared us, cleansed us, sanctified us, that we might be grafted in, and he will continue that work. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Friends, what we heard last week, we are to depend on God's word in us. We are to cherish his promises, his commands, because they are the words of life. You know, for all the noise that is happening through our social media feeds and kind of all the information and misinformation we are hearing right now, let us focus on God's word first and foremost. May it be a lamp to our feet, as the psalmist describes. May we hold fast to the promises and revelation that we might be able to see things the way they really are under God and not just kind of through our Facebook screens. Simon Peter sums this up well back in chapter 6 of John. Jesus has just fed 5,000. He's just walked on water. Everyone's amazed. But as soon as he starts teaching hard things, a whole bunch of people desert him. And Simon Peter says, where else have we to go? Where else have we to go? For you alone have words of eternal life. Friends, what it looks like to remain is to believe that Jesus' words are sufficient are all nourishing, are the key to eternal life and living for Jesus and his glory. Let us cherish them. Secondly, as a way of remaining is described in this passage, it is through prayer, is through asking. And this leads most explicitly to fruit in the logic of this passage. I mean, look with me, verse 7 and 8. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, it's tied up in kind of the cherishing of God's word, then ask, pray, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, that's extraordinary. I'm going to have to come back to that. This is to my Father's glory, he goes on to say, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And in case we missed it, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And we have to wrestle with the, the extravagant promises that Jesus gives us here. But nonetheless, he is asking us, as we remain in him, to boldly ask. That's an expression of what it means to remain. But to kind of unpack some of the trickiness of that, let's look at kind of fruitfulness explicitly now. So we've had, in Jesus, remain and bear his fruit. Now, praying in Jesus' name is to the Father's glory and brings forth the fruit Jesus has been talking about. Much fruit is is the way of describing the, the extravagant way that all of Jesus manifests in us. And this is why I started the way I did in kind of really delving into how Jesus described in this passage because for all those descriptions of Jesus that is available to you. Jesus wants that for you as you are grafted in him. And so the fruit might look like obedience itself. That's a fruit of being grafted in. Uh, The experience of joy, and not just kind of like happiness, but Jesus' joy. His delight 
from the, with the Father from eternity is now available to you. Love for one another. So the way that God has revealed the Father's, uh, Jesus has revealed the Father's love is now going to bear fruit in us as we love one another. And, and witnessing to the world. Bearing a fruit that will go on to last for eternity. This is why I started the way I did. So that Jesus might be large. And as we desire, and as we kind of, uh, as, our, as we are captivated by him, we would bear more and more of his fruit in us. But there are some kind of, as we said, we've got to wrestle with some of the bits here. Firstly, there is a disbelief within me that this is really true. Firstly, because when Jesus says, without Jesus, you can do nothing, I mean, do I believe that down to the bottom? Well, functionally, I believe something like, you know, if, if there was like a Mike 15 verse 5, it would say something like this, I can do great things when I put my mind to it. And I believe that because of things like the Olympics, right? I mean, these guys train hard, work hard, and, and, and they go for gold. Like, they, they are putting their mind to it and, 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 and seeing great fruit. And I can see that in my own life, in the way that I've worked hard and things and kind of got successes, but when Jesus tells us that apart from him, we can do nothing, he is inviting us into his own radical dependence on the Father for his glory, not for himself. So many of my successes that fuel me on are a distraction because they're about my glory. And they're actually offensive so many times to God because they're not aligned. We're actually called to bear God's fruit not our own. A fruitfulness that will last on into eternity to the Father's glory. And the more we remain in Jesus, the more we press into Him, the more we adore Him, the more we will desire the Father's glory and Jesus' fruit in us. Let us not measure fruitfulness by other standards. And this is the challenge of remaining. Remaining is not passive. There are so many times that we have to turn away from the ways that we are not remaining so that we might bear Jesus' fruit. But the second challenge here is unanswered prayer. As we look at the extraordinary and extravagant promises Jesus makes here. I mean, I've been praying that in God's mercy, COVID will be lifted. Uh, for the anxiety of my children to be diminished. For hardships to be overcome, for people to be saved. I mean, am, I, am I not asking right? Jesus promises me whatever I ask for in the Father, in His name, will be the Father will give me. The promises seem so explicit. But the first thing I've been challenged by as I read, have read this passage many times and meditated on it, is the question of where is the source of my strength and confidence? Is it in Jesus Christ, the true vine? Or is it in Mike Hasty? And for so many of these matters of concern, it's a totally mixed bag. And so I've been brought back, been challenged, rebuked even, to depend on Jesus more. But secondly, I've been learning to various degrees patience. I mean, they say when you pray for patience, you get a, better get ready. Because we learn patience through being patient, which is not easy. Many of these things that I've been praying for, I know a part of God's revealed character. He is merciful. He will save. But yet, 
I do not know his full will. And so as I pray in Jesus' name, I am trusting these things to him in his time and his plan. But let us not lose the focus here. Jesus is inviting us to pray boldly. And if you're not asking, James will say, you're not receiving. And so let us ask. Let us trust. Let us draw more deeply upon what it means to remain in Jesus. And in the meantime, as I've prayed over these things and have seen fruitfulness in some ways and not others yet, I have certainly seen how God is at work in persevering me, in refining my character, in making me long more richly for when Jesus will perfect all these things. Is that not fruitfulness? Friends, Jesus is the source of life. He is your joy, your hope. He is the the source of fruitfulness. Let us remain in him, being obedient to his word, cherishing his word, responding in prayer, and let us bear much fruit in every season, every season. But let me finish with a word of encouragement and maybe even a challenge to the COVID specificity of our time. I want to talk about what it means to cultivate fruitfulness in COVID. And firstly, I just want to say thank you. And it's so encouraging to see that even though COVID is disrupting so many of our rhythms, our ability to meet together in person, uh, in the building here, in small groups, our quiet times are all messed up, uh, our sense of joy is now disrupted. But despite all of that, the joy of hearing how people are you know, practicing thankfulness journals uh, and sharing that with others. Uh, the texts I'm receiving, I know others are receiving, of encouragement. Uh, the kind of the songs that go up in our Facebook group, uh, maybe someone could chuck up the link to the morning Facebook group. Uh, the kind of, there's a playlist called uh, Songs That Soothe the Soul. All these kind of different expressions of fellowship given we can't meet together. I love that people are pressing into that so that we might encourage one another and ourselves to remain in this season. Friends, in COVID, with all the disruption, with all the dismay, remaining has teeth. And friends, can I just encourage you that if you are not in a small group in this season, can we at least find a way to connect you with a few others? Because what what we all need right now is, is a specific encouragement to remain in our specific circumstances. So for some of us, we're facing financial hardship. For others, we are overwhelmed by homeschooling. For others, we are feeling very lonely. Or I, want, I want to see Christians gathered and, and, and kind of sharing words of encouragement to remain in Jesus in those circumstances. And we are called to be the body to each other in these moments. And that requires a certain creativity in this season where we can't gather in, in person. It requires a certain initiative. Let us remain. Let us exercise that with grittiness and determination so that we might bear fruit. I've been asking people this question. I'm going to finish with this and a a quote. Is this COVID season making it harder or easier to trust in Jesus? And as we weigh up the two sides of that, I mean, but both answers are, kind of, are actually ways of expressing an honest remaining. It's, it's harder because there's so much disruption and things are so messed up right now. 
but, but, I, but, I'm, but I'm trusting, desperately trusting that Jesus is with me in this. For, for others, it, it, it's easier in the sense that all of a sudden now, dependency has a freshness. We're not just, we can't just go through the motions on this. Whatever your answer might be to that, let us surrender all to Jesus. And I use that word specifically because I'm going to finish with a quote from Andrew Murray, who wrote a book called Abide in Christ. And he draws richly on this passage. And I want it to be a word of encouragement to you. Here we go. You are the branches of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there is in your heart the consciousness that you are not a strong, healthy, fruit-bearing branch, not closely linked with Jesus, not living in him as you should be, then listen to him say, I am the vine. I will receive you. I will draw you to myself. I will bless you. I will strengthen you. I will fill you with my spirit. I, the vine, have taken you to be my branches. I have given myself utterly to you. Children, give yourselves utterly to me. I have surrendered myself as God absolutely to you. I became man and died for you that I might be entirely yours. Come and surrender yourselves entirely to be mine. Amen. listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.